0: on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger.
1: Good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Good. Very good. Um, it is uh, summer-ish. Summer has come and gone, and come and gone, and it's gone again. Uh, so thanks for coming. It's uh, it's now fall. But um, yeah, I just wish it would just get hot. That, it just needs to get hot now. Just no. You guys are wrong. I'm from Alaska. I say it gets hot now. Um, so, um, hey, around here, we do, uh, we do our sermons in collections of sermons around a specific topic or a specific Bible verse, so we call it a series, we call it a collection, but um, it, it really means we, we take like a, a passage of scripture and we have a bunch of messages about that passage or uh, maybe a, a biblical character and a bunch of sermons about that biblical character, uh, it could be topic, whatever, but it's, it's going to be kind of in groups. And this, uh, this time of the year, we're doing um, a collection that Pastor Toby kicked off last week, uh, a whole collection of messages on this wonderful thing called the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is this, this incredible thing that Paul teaches us and he shows us. Um, he says it like this in Galatians chapter uh, 5. He says, So I say, Walk in the Spirit. It's Paul's hope that you and I, as Spirit-filled believers of Jesus, that we would walk in the Spirit, that we would move forward in the Spirit. And I think often when we hear that, we think, oh, what he means is he wants us to uh, walk around prophesying and speaking in tongues. And we believe in both of those things. I think they're, they should be part of your walk with God, but that's not what he's talking about. He's not saying walk around and have visions and lay hands on people and cast out demons. That's not what he's saying. In fact, he's very clear about what he's saying. He says it in the, in the next little bit here. He says the fruit of the Spirit. So this is what it looks like to walk in the Spirit. It's to bear fruit, to be like any tree that's in your yard right now. It should start having blossoms, that, uh, that those blossoms will eventually become a fruit, And he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Everybody elbow your husband and say, he said self-control. He's telling us that in walking in step with the Spirit of God, we are supposed to bear fruit that that's what it's like to live a spirit-led life it's not having your head so high in the clouds that you're of no earthly value what it really is it's a life that's surrendered to god in such a way that it it develops fruit it's this thing we cultivate inside of us that, that comes out he he um he goes on and uh he he shares this idea of fruit with, with the hope that you and I would become people who live by the Spirit of God. And um, today, I, I get the, the, the privilege of, of talking on the fruit called joy. So um, you guys are really, I can tell you're super excited about it. Um, it's going to be fun, I promise. Uh, but we're, we're talking about joy. Joy. So last week we talked about love, and this week we're talking about joy. Somebody might say this, often people that have, uh, have a kind of a, a biblical knowledge, what they'll do when they get to the fruit of the Spirit is they say, ah, the word fruit is singular. So that means it's all talking about one thing, and then we move on. And, and that's a, a fantastic way for us to just gloss over what the text says. Just, oh, it's singular, ah, don't worry about all of it, it's all the same thing. Well, if it was all the same thing, Paul wouldn't have taken the time to write. Like he wasted some wrist motion uh, in writing them down. What's going on is the word is singular. Fruit is singular in the same way that in English the word fruit is singular. So if you have a basket of fruit, you don't say I have a basket of fruits. You say I have a basket of fruit. It's a singular concept. And the idea is, is that as we grow in our walk with God, we should be people marked by fruit that's growing. It's, it all comes out uh, collectively out of us, but they are distinct. They are individual, identifiable fruits of a life that lives for God. Because I, I, I know people that, that are really heavy on the spiritual side of things. They, they, can, they can prophesy at the, at the drop of a hat. They, they can they could do all that kind of stuff. But the truth is, I know some of them that are very much like that that don't have any fruit in their life. And I just want to say, you can think you're super spiritual, but if you are not bearing fruit, the spirit is not at work in your life. Zing. So, when we think of joy, we we often think of like happiness. And... For me there are some certain, there are like specific things that make me happy. One of the things that makes me really happy is food. I love good food. Like th- that's that's just something I can get down with. Good food. You, I mean it doesn't matter like my, my kids they love all kinds of food. Thai food, Indian food, Mexican food. Come on somebody. How many how many people know that Caldwell has the best Mexican food in the valley? I'm just, I'm just saying. So uh, the trucks in Caldwell are better than anywhere else. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but here, so like we, I love food. I love really good food. And my, one of my favorite foods is um, it's cake. I love cake. I, I, I think cake is, is uh, just this beautiful thing that God designed for us to just have fun. It's, it's amazing. So I, I love cake. My, my favorite cake is a German chocolate, Cake, come on, that's an old man cake right there, followed closely by carrot cake, a moist carrot cake is stupid, and uh, I know, I'm in the word, and uh, it's just, cake's amazing, and so, and we just went to my, my in-laws, uh, my father-in-law just had his 60th birthday, and so we went to Sacramento to go spend some time with him, and um, it, it was a lot of fun, but, but here's the deal, Three weeks ago, the last time I spoke, I told you that my foot hurt from a flip-flop incident. That I had uh, wounded my foot with my sandals. And turns out that isn't what happened. I ended up going to a doctor because my foot didn't stop hurting. And it turned out that I have gout. Thank you. Thank you for knowing my pain. It is terrible. Uh, they do say that it was once called the King's disease, so I'm just gonna keep that. like i'm I'm just it's, it's. basically, it's because you have a bad diet and you're pretty like it's, it's, you don't move a lot, so like I'm in my office just like studying. So that's pretty much what it is. Uh, like unhealthy habits is, is what it is, but um, super painful. And uh, so I went to the doctor, and they're they're like, oh, let's let's work on this. and um so this is probably the fourth time I've worn shoes in about three weeks. and uh, I, I I went to the doctor and they gave me some medicine to kind of help manage uh, the, the the symptoms of it a little bit. But they said, your real problem isn't something that's going to be cured by medicine. What you really need to do is eat right. So they said, there's there's a, somebody's like laughing like, yeah, dummy. Um, I like food. And... Um, my wife can cook, too. She can, like, my wife can go to any restaurant and be like, oh, I know how to make this. Let's go. And so that's, that's how we live our life. And um, just just trying to eat, eat good. It, it's good to eat. And so, anyway, I'm totally distracted. I'm thinking about food right now. Because they, they said previously we used to treat gout by, like, getting people off of red meats and this sort of a thing because it has to do with the purines in your blood. Um, but they said now the, this, the new science coming out says that uh, actually a, a keto diet will cause your body to basically dissolve all the crystals that are, calling, that are creating gout. And more importantly, it'll address the real issue. And the real issue is you have <laughs> gout in your foot because your body is acidic. And your foot is the least of your worries when you're acidic because as, uh, acidic environments are where cancers and other things grow. So let's get that under control. Let's not worry about your foot so much. Let's get you... I said all of that to say this. I'm not... I'm not allowed to have this anymore. <laughs> like, I, want so, I want it so bad, but I can't have it. I can't have this cake uh, because I'm not allowed to have like, any kind of uh, grains, any kind of b- bread, none of that kind of stuff, no sugars, like anything good in life I can't have right now because I'm a keto. But the thing is, with a keto diet, you get to eat like a slob. It's like like, a, like 20% meat and tons of fat and stuff, every, like mayonnaise slathered on everything, avocado on everything. It's amazing. I just can't have my cake and eat it too. Life has thrown me a curveball. And how many of us, if we were honest, we would say, Life has thrown me a curveball. Life has created a boundary or a barrier in an area of my life. Maybe life has prevented you from experiencing something you were hoping to experience. Maybe for some in this room, that curveball looks like you said I do at an altar 13 years ago, and you thought that meant forever after. And then at some point, somebody said, I'm just not feeling the same any longer. And so now you say, what in the world? I, I didn't expect to have This taken from me. Or maybe for someone, uh, what it looks like that to not have your cake is is you've always wanted to go ahead and go to college, but because you didn't come from a family of means and because your grades weren't quite what you had hoped for in high school, you had to hit the ground running and you've just never had time or margin to be able to get back into a degree program. And so for you, you feel like something was robbed from you, something was taken from you, or maybe for you... You, what would be the cake for you is, is that you, you had hopes of, when you moved to Idaho, that you would establish friendships quickly and rebuild community, and then you discovered it's really hard to find community in a culture that is a digital culture connected by highways. It's just a very difficult world we live in emotionally. Emotionally. We all get stuck in situations weren't what we were planning. And the Apostle Paul was no foreigner to being in situations that he did not intend to be a part of. The Apostle Paul, when he became a believer. He he went and spent some time in in the desert for three years, and after that three year stint in the desert, he began planting churches. He was on fire for God. Just he was a like a serial entrepreneur in the kingdom of God, just out building churches, just building churches. And he'd build a church here, and then he the Bible says like all of Asia Minor, so the southern half of Europe and into the the uh, western side of Asia. He was just building churches everywhere, and, and and he'd build a church here. He'd stay, establish some leaders, and move on. and and go build a church over here. And then what would happen is uh, that there would start to be problems within the church. So he would start writing letters back to the other churches, encouraging them to correct doctrine, encouraging them towards treating each other right, encouraging them to avoid racism, like all sorts of things, encouraging them, like like all of it. And so I I think he really discovered as the first church planter that that's not a great model of church planning. But through it, God uses it. God uses it. And, and we, have, we have our canon of scripture through it. And at one point, Paul ends up in prison. And, and when he's in prison, he's there for two years. He's chained up. He's between guards. He's, he's actually not in a prison cell at this point. That's later in life. At this point, he's actually in house custody. So he's in like a palace, in, a, in an imperial palace, but he's not allowed to leave it. He's not allowed to go about his daily life. He can't function like he would like to function. He can't go start churches. He can't see his loved ones. He's, he's on house arrest. And it's from this place of house arrest that the Apostle Paul writes a book called Philippians. Here's what it says about Paul's experience. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. I just love that about Paul, that even though he's in prison, even though his life plan, like his vision board for life, didn't work out, he says, What's happened for me has actually increased what God is doing through me, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest of my imprisonment uh, that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul says, there's, there's good even in my bad situation. Amen. And then he goes on further. He says this, some indeed preach Christ from envy and from rivalry, but others from goodwill. I I love Paul's perspective in this. He says, I recognize that there are people who preach Christ in a way I would not present him. There are people who may have bad motives. There are people I may disagree with, but I'm just finding a place to have joy. I'm rejoicing that Christ is proclaimed. Can, Can I say that in our culture... We are just fascinated with pointing fingers at people. We do it constantly, pointing fingers, trying to identify where someone else is wrong. And so what will happen even in the church is, is we'll find believers of Jesus Christ that are pursuing him. They'll find themselves like pointing the finger at this person because they don't believe exactly like me or pointing their finger at this person because this preacher said something when they were speaking that isn't quite perfect. And and in fact, we'll find... YouTube videos that somebody will gather obscure clips of people preaching and put them all together to make it sound like somebody believes something they don't actually believe. And then we share it and we think we're doing good. And Paul says, I don't care if their methods are different from me, I don't care if their motives are different from me. I'm just excited that Christ is crucified and he's proclaimed. And I'm just telling you what would happen in the church of Christ if we would stop pointing fingers at each other. And we would start pushing Jesus. Let's go. People, people ask me that all the time. Pastor, so what do you think about this preacher? What do you think about this preacher? It's not my place to judge them. I'm just excited that Jesus is being preached and people are coming to salvation. And so... He goes on and he says, uh, in that I rejoice. Next, he says, yes, and I will rejoice. He says, I, he says it twice. Yeah, I'm going to rejoice. Because I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to live is Christ, and to die Gain, Paul, in the middle of his imprisonment, in the middle of his discouragement, in the middle of the trial of his life says, I just know that when you pray and when the Holy Spirit works, that God's got it. That God's going to work it out for good. And I'm here to tell somebody that that is what joy looks like. It's a perspective on the world that says God has got it all under control. Have you ever met somebody that they're kind of um, over the top? You ask them, how are you doing? And they're like, ah, I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm the first and not the last. I'm the head and not the tail. Ah, I'm too blessed to be stressed. And you're like, you are so fake right now, right? Right? The truth is is that we're not talking about some sort of positive thinking that Paul has. Like, oh, it's all going to work out. I'm too blessed to be stressed. What Paul is saying is, I know that God will work it out for good. Because God works all things out for good to those that love him and are called according to his purposes. So we're talking about the the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. But really, Paul is is only expanding on this concept from Jesus. Jesus teaches it in John chapter 15. Jesus teaches the concept of us bearing fruit. He says it uh, in John 15, but at the end of John 15, he says this. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I, I, just, I just think that's such a powerful statement because it is Evidence. Joy is evidence that God intends for my spirituality to impact my emotions and my inner self, not just my morality. Because as Christians, we we do believe that God does transform us and we do surrender to his code or or his desire, his his preferred will for our lives. And that does look like a moral life. And so we, we go there, but often we get so sidetracked by that and we live a moral life, but emotionally, internally, just destroyed. And I'm telling you, when God says, I want to have joy for you and that your joy would be complete, what he's saying is, I want you to be a healthy, Whole person who is satisfied on the inside. This Christianity thing is not just a moral code, but it's so much more than that. He says, "I want you to have joy." This King David says it like this: He says, "The joy of the Lord is my strength." Like, like. I don't, I don't find strength in my bank account. I don't find strength in my networking ability. I don't find strength in how I've raised my children and what people think about me. My strength comes from this confidence in God that looks like joy. And it's this, this place that Paul is in. And I think that the problem is we, we often confuse joy with happiness, And the reason they're different, so the reason we can identify some differences is is happiness is, well, let me just compare them here. Happiness is very different than joy. Uh, Happiness is, is triggered by an external thing. So happiness happens when it's your birthday, happy birthday to you. It's like the saddest song in the world. If you didn't know English, you'd think somebody had died. You'd be like, ah, that's weird. But here's the deal, like, happiness triggered when the, when the sugars get in your mouth. That's happy. Like, happiness is, is when you got that promotion at work. You're like, yeah, that makes me happy. Happiness is when you just got a puppy, and you're laying on the floor, and the puppy's licking your face, and you're like, oh, I love the smell of puppy breath. And that's amazing until you realize puppy breath smells just like puppy poop. And it's 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 gross. And... <clears throat> It, but it's triggered by external circumstances. They, they make a, a, an emotional response. And short term, it's short term because in order for happiness to happen in your life, things need to go in the way you would desire and then they need to stay there. But because things never stay where you would like them to desire or where you would like them to stay, we don't stay happy. It's short term. It's based on our circumstances. It's based on uh, our situations, whether we're in a relationship that we're enjoying, whether we have the job we would like, whether our truck has the tires we would like on it. That's what creates happiness. It's a natural and good emotion. It should be something that's felt. We as believers should be very good at feeling our emotions. Christianity is not stoicism where we push down emotions. We should feel them, but happiness is just an emotion. And it comes from a feeling. It comes from endorphins. It comes from just a response to good things going on in your world. Joy is completely different. Joy is triggered by something internal. Not by your circumstances. Not by you getting the contract. It's something other than that. It is long-lasting. Because it is not triggered by something Outside, it's something you can maintain on the inside, like the Apostle Paul in prison, confident in God's will, and say, I'm just going to rejoice. I may be in a bad situation, but I'm excited about it. It's based on revelation about God. It's, It's not an emotional feeling. Instead, it's a spiritual posture that says, I know God is good. I may not be experiencing all of that goodness I want right now, but I know he's good. Have you ever met somebody that's like that, that just has joy? The, they're just like, they're like a Cheerio. You keep pushing them down in the bowl, they just keep popping back up. It's like, I just know he's good. It's like, yeah, but you, just, you don't have a good job right now, but I know God's good. Like, that's joy. And it comes from a place of faith because in this life you're going to experience difficulties and if your satisfaction in life is attached to circumstances being favorable towards you you will only spirit, only experience happiness and sadness but god's desire for your life is a thing called joy here's what james the brother of jesus writes he says count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds. He's saying you should be able to experience the, down, the downsides of life and still find joy. Amen. You should be able to experience that. And the way you can experience it is when you recognize that joy is a choice, not a feeling. It's a choice and a heart posture towards God. Because choices. is make you, but a crisis will reveal you. A crisis is like a magnifying glass in your life that shows what's really inside and where your hope really lies. Are you persuaded or swayed by the, the, the newest political news? Is that the thing that consumes your mind? Because if it is the thing that makes you happy or sad, then I would say this, that you need to find a joy that is outside the political process. If your joy comes when the governor makes bills that you like and goes away when he makes bills you don't like, that's happiness. That's not joy. Joy is something deeper than that it's deeper than getting a good report at work it's deeper than finding an employer that likes you it's deeper than having a healthy bank account it's more because the truth is life is going to throw you difficult situations your marriage isn't always going to be perfect somebody's like it's was perfect no if you're married you know That we offend each other. We say things that hurt each other's feelings. We don't even mean to. And we say, like, like just things will happen. And and life gets hard. You're going to get bills in the mail that you didn't expect to get. People that you thought you could count on are going to let you down. People are going to review you on the internet with stupid stuff. It's going to happen. And so... Somebody right now, you're like, are you supposed to be preaching about joy, Pastor? Like, <laughs> You said you're going to preach about joy, and this doesn't sound very positive. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I'm positive <laughs> that you're going to experience difficulty in life. <laughs> Convinced of it. And you need to find joy if you're going to keep your heading aimed at God. You're going to need joy. <clears throat> so this is what Paul Paul is is, is talking about is this idea of joy. There's a a pastor in Southern California who went through a terrible tragedy in his family. His name is Rick Warren, and he wrote these words about joy. He said, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of your life. I'm just saying, like, there's an incredible confidence that comes when I know that my life does not rest on me being the most strategic and and a person that's got it all figured out. Instead, my confidence relies on the fact that my God is the author and the finisher. He's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the ending. He's the alpha and he's the omega. And because of that, I can have confidence that he's got it all under control. And every situation that seems difficult, that seems discouraging, I can have confidence that he's going to work it out for good. Oh, yeah. And he goes on, he says, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. Look at your neighbor and say, everything is going to be all right. It's a determined choice. Joy is a choice. It's a determined choice to praise God in every circumstance. Joy is the anticipation that something good is coming towards me. I may not see it right now, but something good is on its way. I remember... When my wife and I first got married, I took her to a place near Fairbanks, Alaska, called Angel Rocks. And as we were walking up the rocks uh, there, uh, it's it's a hill, but she's from Sacramento, so she thought it was a mountain. And... um, I was like, hey babe, it's just around the corner. And so we like get up there and we get around the corner and I'd be like, oh, it's just around the corner. And she'd be like, oh, okay. And she'd go up there and be like, hey, it's just around the corner. And she'd be finally she's like, oh my God, like, why do you keep saying it's just around the corner? It's because like this is this is what joy is. Joy is that perspective that says it's just around the corner. It's just around the corner. Like just keep moving. Like don't give up. Don't quit. Don't don't throw in the towel yet. It's just around the corner. I'm I'm trusting that God's gonna work it out for good. It's not pie-in-the-sky positive thinking. I just feel better. It's not what it is. It's an assurance that God is good. It's a confidence in him. And that's what Paul does. Paul anchors his confidence in God. Let's go back to that, that section of scripture I read. In verse 19, it says it like this. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, This will turn out for my deliverance. I just want to stop and say this. Like, it is incredible. Paul, he says, I I know that through your prayers, God's doing something. Hey, that's a powerful thing. And Paul's able to say, I know, I believe in the prayers of a praying church. But pastor, you don't know, I got hurt by church. Read the context. Paul just said that there are people preaching the gospel to harm him and they're preaching with bad motives. There's people causing all kinds of confusion and he rejoices that Christ is preached. And he's saying this, he says, in the middle of people that I can't trust, in the middle of people that, that don't seem to have the right motives or the right methods, I do this one thing, I value the prayers of a praying church. That's one of the things I love the most about Celebration Church is on Tuesdays when I come in here and this whole thing is filled with prayer requests and people are in here praying and getting a hold of God for your needs. You write them down. They're praying over your needs and each one is prayed over several times throughout the morning and, and I'm just saying like God answers prayers. A few weeks ago the, uh, the t- uh, Clark or I think it was Clark showed me he had this binder he'd been collecting of, of prayer requests. Maybe it was Abby. I don't know. It was, it was Clabby and there was, there was this <laughs> there was this binder And they've been collecting all the, all the prayer requests And all the answered prayers And putting them together in this binder And like it's full of like answered prayers Like it's a book of miracles Everything from God gave me the job I was looking for To God healed me of cancer Like I'm just saying There's power in a praying church There's Mama listen you, you read all the books you need to read, but there is power in a praying mama. Yes. Young career person, you work as hard as you can, and you work unto the Lord. But let me tell you, there is power in a praying career person, and God honors it. The Christian faith isn't about attending an event on Sunday. It's about connect, connecting with God every single day of the week. Yes. That's why we pray. Like my goal is not to get you to show up on Sunday. My goal is to get you to find a place in your house and a time on your calendar where you will pray and read your Bible. Amen. And so he's, he says, <clears throat> he says, I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. That word help there, in several translations, it's, it's rendered the provision of the spirit of Christ. You want to know where joy comes from? Joy comes from this, that when we walk in the spirit, we have confidence in God's provision. Yeah. Walking in the spirit isn't this mystical thing that we try, big Bible and, it's confidence that God will provide. God will provide for me financially. And somebody, like somebody right now, like, that's what I need. I need God to provide. Listen, provision financially. God will do it, but it's not a prayer. Financial provision is not a prayer. It's a principle. The Bible's really clear on this one. If you live with an open hand towards God and others, God will bless your hand. Like when, when you have your hand in a place where, where when God's like, I need you to, to reach out to this, this person over here and help them a little bit. And, and so you just do it. Like that, the, the woman that does that, that's the kind of woman God begins putting things in her hand because he knows that his people and the, those that are in need are going to be blessed when they live with an open hand towards God. Yes. God doesn't need your money. But he needs a conduit through which he can dispense resources. That's one area, and God will provide. God will provide for your, your mental health. Maybe for you, that's where you're at. You're just, you're just struggling there. Like, I want you to know God can provide. Maybe for you, it's your emotional emotional area. Like the, just Emotionally, you're just drained. I want you to know God can provide. Have confidence that God is a provider. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 27, 7. One who is full loathes honey. But to, the one, but to the one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. This means when you're full, it doesn't, you, don't, you don't care if you get this candy on the side. But when you're hungry, you will eat a rotten apple and think it tastes like amazing. This is why when you go hunting, food is always the best. When you go out hiking, food is always the best after a long hike. Because you're hungry. And can I tell you that there are People who are emotionally starved making decisions they would never make and they're calling sweet what is actually bitter. Be careful you don't lock yourself into a situation just because you're hungry. Like I'm saying, just because you're hungry doesn't mean you go on that second date. You need to allow God to provide some emotional well-being inside of you. So Paul clarifies, he says, he, he says that this is a confidence in the provision of God because we will make the worst decisions when we're hungry. Everything's more difficult when you're hungry. God will provide. God will provide. This is why as a church we do groups. In fact, groups, you can sign up today. The reason we do groups is not because we want to fill up your week with more activities to do. It's because we understand that you have an emotional hole at times, and it's going to get filled up somewhere. It's either going to get filled up with the people of God, or it's going to get filled up with the the people at the club. And maybe they're the same people, just don't tell. (laughs) But here's the deal it's going to get filled up somewhere, and I promise you, there's someone else in the church that has that same need. And they're looking for community just like you. They're looking for an emotional help just like you. And when you come together, God uses that to minister to each other. In fact, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. We, we grow. Not only do we get healthy that way, we grow together that way. Yeah. Somebody still caught up on the club comment. <laughs> My response to you is we're a church for people. Philippians chapter, uh, so, so the next thing that we see here is, is when we walk in the Spirit, we have confidence in God's plan. In that same verse, let's read it again. It says, for I know that through your prayers and through the help of the Holy Spirit, this will turn out for my deliverance. Paul in prison, wrestling with all the struggles of life, all the difficulties of life, just trying to do the will of God. And it doesn't look like it's going to work out well, but he's confident that it's going to work out for his delivery. He's confident God's going to do something good. He just knows God is going to make a difference in his life. And I really think it's because he knows God has had a plan before. Because this contextually, like historically, this Philippians. It's written during Acts chapter 28, and we know that in Acts chapter 27, Paul was on a ship going to Rome, and he found himself shipwrecked on a city or on an island called Malta. He, he was shipwrecked. They were going to leave him chained to the boat and let the boat go down, but through the miraculous hand of God working on a soldier's heart, Paul was spared. Paul gets to shore, and when he gets to shore, they're all cold, and they're all wet, and Paul starts making A fire, he's just got the ministry of fire, ministry of warmth, just helping people out, starts building a fire, just doing nice things for others, and a viper comes out of the wood and bites him. And everybody says, look, God has condemned this man, let's just sit back and watch him die. And he sits there, and God delivers him through the venom of the viper, and he's he's healthy, and he's strong, and everybody then says, oh, you must be a god, And he's like, no, 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 let me tell you about Jesus. It's in that moment that Paul realizes God has a plan. You may be tied up inside of a boat somewhere. You may get bit by a viper just trying to help. Have you ever done that? You're just trying to help somebody out, just trying to make a difference, just trying to improve somebody's life, and you get bit? And they say, you deserve that. And Paul said, but God had a plan, which tells me that me being in this prison, God's got a plan. God has a plan for your life. So we have confidence in the provision of God. We have confidence in the plan of God. And when we walk in the Spirit, we have confidence in God's timing. Philippians chapter 1 verse 20. So going back to that same passage, it says this. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether now or later. Whether I live or I die, for to live is Christ, to die is gain. Paul's saying, I trust God's timing. I didn't sign up for this thing to be easy. I I didn't expect him to just cure all of my ills and make life perfect. I just trust the timing of God. I, I trust the provision of God. I trust the plan of God. And I trust the timing of God. Because the truth is, it's always God's timing that makes it work. Think about Joseph. 13 years in a prison, and he had to wait all 13 years to be able to come out and deliver an entire region from a famine. But it was God's timing that kept him put away for 13 years. Look at Moses, 40 years on the backside of a desert. Nobody knows about him. Nobody cares about him. Probably praying, God, would you work something out in my life? Would you make a difference? But it's the plan and the timing of God to wait 40 years before a bush starts burning and speaking to him. It's it's this woman named Esther who sees that Mordecai is building gallows to to kill all of the children of God. And and this girl named Esther had not been living in the the plan or in the direction of God. She, She wasn't living a godly life in that time. And it was in that moment, like in the moment of crisis that she realizes, I was made for such a time as this. Like all the things in my life that make me look sketchy. God's gonna use it now. It all makes sense in timing. That's how Daniel, Daniel was told, you can't pray. And Daniel says, I will not put my convictions aside for you. And they say, Daniel, if you don't do it, we're gonna throw you in a den full of lions. And if it was us, if it was us, the church praying, we would pray like, oh God, don't let Daniel go into that lion den. But God has timing. And so God says, I'm going to let Daniel go into a lion's den and I'll deliver him after the lion's den so that I can be glorified. It's like three Hebrew children. They're they're told if you don't bow, you're going in a fire. And they say, we will not bow. And the church would get on its knees and say, God save these kids from the fire. And God says, I'm not going to show up yet because my timing is not before the fire. If it was before the fire, you would have never read this story in the Bible. But because I have timing, I will wait until they're in the fire. And I'll be the fourth man in the fire. And I'll show them what I can do. I'm just telling somebody today that God has plans. He has provision. And he's got timing for your life. So don't get in such a rush and such a hurry that God's got to show up right now. God has got to do it right now. He may be saying, just hold on a minute. Yes. Just wait another minute. Just, just hang in there because I have timing for your life. God is at work. And That's the, that's the beautiful thing about a cake, isn't it? I want that cake. But that's the cool, cool thing about a cake is it's, it's all about Having the provision, you've got to have the right ingredients to make a cake. You can't just throw it together. And God wants to make something beautiful out of your life, like a cake. But it takes a lot of unique, individual ingredients. It 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 takes a plan to make a cake. You you can't just throw it together. You you've got to go with a specific plan. It takes the right timing to make a cake. You leave the cake in the oven for not enough time and and it's going to come out soft and unstable. Could it be that God is leaving you in your situation just a little bit longer because he doesn't want you to be unstable? He wants you to work through some things to allow his perfect work to be in your life. And you don't leave it in the oven too long because it comes out of building material. And so what happens is God is saying, like, I want to build this beautiful cake out of your life. And what we're looking at is we're saying, well, like, you want to build this cake out of your life, but all I see is ingredients. I just see the hardship that you say is going to work out joy, that I should count for joy. Like, I just see the, the struggle that I'm in. Like, I don't see the cake yet. I just see the, I just see the ingredients. And, and, and that's what God is doing, is he's building inside of you something that you just can't see yet. And so while the things that you may be going through, as Paul says, they may not be pleasant in the moment. This is um, almond, almond uh, flour because I'm on that keto thing. But they may not be pleasant in the moment, but but if I want that cake, if I want that cake, I better go through it. It may not be good in the moment, like I've got some uh, monk fruit in the raw, spongy sugar. It may not be what I want to eat, but truth is, in order to make a cake, I got, that was good. That was real good, but you know what's not good? Baking soda is not good, but it's in there. And we go through things in our life that are just like some baking soda. <laughs> I'm not sure this is a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> not pleasant. to <Ugh. laughs> really go, tum- Like there are some things you think would be really good. I remember when I was in kindergarten we, we did a, a thing where the prize was this and all of us kids thought it was amazing and after one of my friends she won it, we all got around with spoons and we thought it was gonna be so good. But as as pleasant as cocoa sounds. It is very, very pretty It's pretty it's pretty bitter. It's not it's not the best. I need more I need more monk there's just some things that you just shouldn't, ha- you feel like you shouldn't have it, but you gotta have salt. You gotta have it. I mean, you, gotta, you gotta have that stuff, or else it's just not gonna make a cake. Individually, individually, the things that we go through in life are not that great. But God, we trust His plan, we trust His provision, and we trust His timing. And so that means. We may not be able to have canola oil because we're on a keto diet, but sunflower oil will do. Mm. I would appreciate that because some some things again are just not vanilla is it, vanilla is good in small quantities. It's just not great. Oh, it's not great when you're just drinking it. It's it's not. But in the cake, it's amazing. We go through all these things in life, and we're like, man, I just, I just feel like God must not really know what he's doing. Like, that, like, why would he keep giving me things that are just unpleasant? Why would he give me... Why would he make me go through that? Whole milk because keto. Because he's building a cake. And we look at the individual parts of that cake and we think, man, God must not know what he's doing. He, he must have forgot that I'm still here, but no, he's, he's working inside of you a beautiful work. And when we have confidence in his provision and we have confidence in his plan and confidence in his timing, we can experience the joy that passes all the situations of life, joy that goes beyond every individual ingredient and it provides a moment for the glory of God to be revealed in our life. It makes a moment where we can say the good, goodness of God is here. It didn't seem pleasant in the moment, but I just kept trusting. I kept gave my confidence in him and he showed up and made a way. Yeah. The apostle, as the band comes, the apostle Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory Far outweighs them all. <coughs> Individually, this was a horrible experience. <laughs> but if you could dive into this, it would far outweigh all that. And that's what God is doing with your life. Joy, it's not a feeling, it's a confidence. God can provide it's a confidence that God has a plan and it's a confidence that God has timing this apostle Paul because of this joy the world never gave him the joy and the world can't take it away. Because it's not a feeling, it's not a circumstance, it's a confidence in God, that God has a positive plan for your life. And Apostle Paul, while he was in this prison, wrote four books of the Bible in prison looking death in the face, and he wrote four books of the Bible that were distributed across the churches he had planted, but they didn't just affect the communities and the churches he had planted. They began circulating those those letters around the region, and they started affecting thousands of churches in the area to the point that it was so well circulated that when they brought together the canon of Scripture, they said, you cannot live the life of faith without seeing the inspired words of Paul from a prison, because when when you have joy about your situation you can experience joy and cast it towards someone else I can say because I know God has a plan for my life he's got a plan for your life and you're gonna make it because I know that God provided when we didn't have anything to put together I know God will provide for you I know that when I, the timing seems so weird and I just wish God would come through sooner but his timing was so impeccable I can tell you he's impeccable because joy was not meant to be experienced alone. It was meant to be shared. It's meant to be shared. Would you stand with me all across the room? What do you do with a guy like Paul? It says I just have confidence in God now or later you say Paul, I'm going to kill you. All right, to die is gain. <laughs> okay, Paul, we're going to let you live. To live is Christ. Paul, we're going to torture you. Paul says, I reckon that the sufferings of this world are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. I'm just saying there's this thing called joy. It'll, it'll, keep, you, it'll keep you lying. It'll keep you moving forward. It's not just for you. Because there are men and women that you know that are walking through struggles also. And the way joy is transferred is when you just begin to share the provision of God with them. You share the plan of God with them. You share God's timing with them. And as their confidence aligns with that truth, joy blossoms into their life. Would you pray with me right now? Lord, under the sound of my voice, there are men and women who have and are facing situations that are just not pleasant. But God, I pray that we would be a people marked by your fruit, not marked by our ambitions not marked by our affiliations, but we'd be marked by your fruit. God, there are people in this room right now that are struggling with provision, struggling financially right now in this room. And even when I mentioned the idea of living with an open hand, that that idea scares them because they they aren't there. They don't trust you yet with that. I pray that you would kickstart their faith. I pray that you'd provide. I pray that you would show yourself so true and so real. God, I pray you would use other people who already trust you in this area to bless them. God, I pray for those that are, that are emotionally feeling like they're just without. I pray you'd provide. That you'd bring relationships into their life. Lord, for that person that's looking for love, I pray the right person would step into their life, that when they stop looking, you would provide. God, I pray for those that they just don't have direction, they don't know what to do next, and they're just trying to come up with a plan. I pray they'd have confidence in your plan for they would turn towards you, the author and the finisher of their faith. Seek counsel on a plan. God, I pray for those right now that, that just they're struggling with the impatience of your timing. They're struggling with it just doesn't feel right. God, I pray that you would show yourself so impeccably faithful Never late, never early, always on time. We love you, Lord. Jesus.
0: Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church, to find out more. Well, we love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.